0: Of disaster is never pleasant. Welcome to the Casual Preppers Podcast. These safety measures are essential. The only place for prepping, survival, and entertainment. This will be your source of survival instructions and information. Every member of the family must be coached in the business of survival. Here are your hosts, Cam and Kobe.
1: What's up, buddy? Not much. Yeah, I've had to about up to here with space. <laughs>
2: I ain't got no more space for space. Yeah, we talked a lot about space in the last. We had have, 24 we? hours. Kevin and I just got back from a little overnighter. Yeah. In the big city. Yeah. Um, Learned a bit of more. We did a little bit more about black holes. It was it was nice because it works right along with the episode we're doing today. Right. The timing was perfect. Yeah. yeah. Galaxies came together. Mm. This is crazy. Worlds colliding. Crazy. What what are we talking about? This fine mindless banner. Mindless banner 90, by the way. We're going to have to do something big when we get to 100
1: on this band. Yeah, that's
0: true. We something should big. Something I don't know what. big. Yeah.
1: Um, we're talking about the Fermi Paradox. Yeah. Fermi, Fermi?
2: Fermi. Yeah, I think so. And it,
1: um, like, we kind of took it and kind of expanded a little upon it yeah. and talked a little bit more about, is there more life out there?
2: We're 100% qualified to expand on the Fermi <laughs> Paradox, too. Yeah. <laughs>
1: if anybody's gonna been do it, been studying it's gonna be space <laughs> for the past
2: year. Yeah. Uh huh.
1: But um, yeah, like some of the different texts and yeah. attempts to communicate with extraterrestrials. Oh, man. it's exciting stuff. It sure is. So we're gonna get into it. I'm deep, excited. Deep, your minds are gonna be blown right yeah. about now. Get your notepads but out. What blows my mind, yeah, is how much forethought goes into like planning for. Mm -hmm. Food storage and water storage and power and protection. My gosh, self reliant medical care is absolutely no exception. You're right. The Prepper's Medical Handbook is the best book written on this side of the Mississippi, Mm. or I don't know, maybe it was over on the East Coast. Don't know. It doesn't matter. It's the best book ever. And it will teach you some of the basic, survivable, preventable medical problems that you may experience when you're walking around the apocalypse. Yeah, it's uh, great to read. It's easy to read. Mm. You don't need to have a degree in medicine. And, or astrophysics, or for astro- that matter. <laughs> yeah, you don't need it. Mm. Um, but I really like like just how easy it is to find like basic medical problems that you'll probably experience more than any of the others. Mm. And you can just know how to take care of it. You don't need to find an urgent care yeah. or the ER. Mm-hmm. Like It's excellent book for everyday medical problems in life. And you know, not to mention the ones you may experience when you're bugging out with your family. Yeah, and you can get yours at PreppersMedicalHandbook.com, and or go to Amazon. And again, it's written by an MD, somebody that knows medicine well mm. and has you know lived the life of surviving out in the wilderness. Mm. This guy knows his stuff. Yeah, it's a great
2: book. You should get it. Get it. All right, Cam. Today we're talking about the Fermi Paradox, like like Cam said, along with some other things that are sort of uh, close closely related to it. So what is the Fermi Paradox, if you don't know? It refers to—I'm going to and I'm gonna sound real smart here, but I'm just reading yeah. lines. This isn't right for my brain. It refers to the dichotomy between the high probability that extraterrestrial intelligence exists and the fact that we have no evidence for such aliens. Yeah. So it, it, That's it. there should be aliens— we have no evidence for aliens. Yeah. This is the, the Fermi paradox. So here's kind of the reasoning behind this. So there are billions of stars in the Milky Way similar to the sun. This is just in our galaxy, right? With the high probability some of these stars have Earth-like planets in a circumstellar habitable zone. So this is like the Goldilocks zone where it's in a Everything you water. You worked can, out exactly.
1: perfectly. Just like Distance,
2: Earth. gravity, mm-hmm. yeah. So many of these stars and hence their planets are much older than the sun. If the earth is typical, some ha- may have developed intelligent life like way before humans were developed, right? So, um, some of these civili- civilizations may have developed interstellar travel, a step humans are now investigating. Elon Musk, right? Um, an alien, alien, even at the slow pace of currently envisioned interstellar travel, the Milky, Milky Way galaxy could be completely traversed in a few million years. So um since many, million. few million, no biggie. Uh, since many of the stars similar to the sun are billions of years older, Earth should have already been visited by uh extraterrestrial civilizations, or at least their probes. However, we really have no convincing evidence. Like they're really Have you been probed? I have not yet been Me probed either. by an alien. So. No. So Italian Italian American physicist Enrico Fermi's name is associated with the paradox because Enrico. yeah, uh, of a casual conversation in the summer of 1950 with fellow physicist Edward Teller, Hubert York, and Emil Konopinski. Canop- Canop- Konopinski. Um, While walking to lunch, the men discussed recent UFO reports and the possibility of faster-than-light travel. The convers- typical banter. Yeah, in a, exactly. In a natural Same thing Cam and I talk about when we're at McDonald's. <laughs> um the conversation moved on to other topics until during lunch, Fermi blurted out, but where is everybody? Yeah. That's seriously, that's where this whole yeah. thing came from, is that yeah. sort of off offhand kind of line. So that's the Fermi paradox. That's what we kind of want to talk about today. Is like there's a, there should be aliens. We have no aliens. Where are they? And then where are they? And have we tried contacting them? Right. Right. right? So that's what we're going to talk about. So there are some solutions that people have come up with to the Fermi Paradox. like Why? There's nobody. Why there's nobody. why we haven't so seen there's a bunch haven't of contact. Yes, there's a bunch of different hypotheses, and so I'm going to go through some of those right now. The first one is called the zoo hypothesis. So the idea was first pro-po- proposed by John Ball in 1973. He argued that extraterrestrial intelligent life may be almost ubiquitous, but that the apparent failure of such life to interact with us be understood in terms of the hypothesis that they have set us aside as part of a wilderness area or a zoo <laughs> that makes a lot of sense though it actually kind of does we are a freaking zoo well yeah it is similar to things that we do we have wilderness areas we have zoos it's like yeah. Little isolated mm-hmm. like areas to study, yeah. and see how things. Uh, so they're watching from afar or from close. We don't know. Maybe they're they are on the Earth somehow, right. but they're just like let them do what they're going to do. Let's see what happens, yeah. Or, or we don't want to disturb their uh, civilization. Let's just kind of keep keep sure, watching. They
1: made an atomic
2: bomb. What do we want to do about <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. We'll talk let about them, that let too. Them but keep going, yeah. So we're just kind of part of this vast nature preserve that has been set off limits, like no developing earth. So they don't want to interact or mess Mm -hmm. with it or disturb it. Yep. Just let it go. Exactly. So that's the zoo hypothesis. Makes sense. Then we have self-imposed quarantine. So this is pretty much like the opposite of the zoo hypothesis. E.T.s have the potential to be dangerous, obviously, like extremely dangerous. So rather than fart around on the galaxy and spaceships and hope that everyone is super friendly, these ETs have collectively and independently decided to stay the hell home and yeah. not draw attention to themselves. Like basically it's like we don't want to die. Yeah. We don't yeah. We're not gonna go to the bad neighborhoods. Yeah. We're just gonna stay where we know is safe and that's why we're not going out. Right, makes sense. That makes sense. They watch Earth from afar. They're yeah. like, eh, "Those idiots. We are not going to talk with
1: them." Yeah, this we don't is... need somebody trying to,
0: yeah,
2: absorb us. And they
1: just—they have
2: nothing that we need. Yeah, just let them kill themselves over there. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> we're at iPhone twenty-five, and they're only like way <laughs> back, yeah, thirteen. And then there's the one that's called the Whack a Mole hypothesis.
0: All right, real so, so I,
1: scientific.
2: I, imagine if there is a kind of prime directive in effect, but the ETs are hovering over us with a giant hammer, ready to smack it down. It's just would they suddenly not like what they see, <laughs> right? So they're basically kind of watching over us, and they've like they've their hair, their finger is on the trigger, like right now, since the 1950s, basically 1940s, yeah, right. Um, basically watching over us, ready to destroy the Earth if we get close to something like a technologically singularity or an extremely dangerous AI system that could threaten life of the entire galaxy. So they are just watching over ready to kill us all <laughs> once we get to that one. So Should this, we destroy <laughs> it. Not yet. This one, this one actually is pretty awesome. We're made of meat. We're made <laughs> out of meat. So this came from a short story, um, called they're made out of meat. This is from Terry bison or bison. Of course. So, so this, yeah. So this is a, um, It's a conversation between two aliens talking about Earth, right? So this is hilarious. So it starts like this. They're made out of meat. Meat? Meat. They're made out of meat. Meat? (laughs) There's no doubt about it. We picked up several from different parts of the planet, took them aboard our recon vessels, and probed them all the way through. They're completely meat. (laughs) That's impossible. What about radio signals? The messages to the stars? They use the radio waves to talk, but the signals don't come from them. The signals come from machines. So who made the machines? That's who we want to contact. They made the machines. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Meat made the machines. (laughs) That's ridiculous. How can meat make a machine? You're asking me to believe in sentient meat. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. These creatures are the only sentient race in that sector, and they're made out of meat. (laughs) And then this is a little while later. They actually do talk then. They use words, ideas, concepts. Oh, yes, except they do it with meat. (laughs) I thought you just told me they used radio. They do, but what do you think is on the radio? Meat sounds. You know how when you slap or flap meat, it makes a noise? They talk by flapping their meat at each other. They can even sing by squirting air through their meat. (laughs) Oh, my God. Singing meat? This is altogether too much. What? So what do you advise, officially or unofficially? Both. Officially, we're required to contact, welcome, and log in any and all sentient races or multi-beings in this quadrant of the universe without prejudice, fear, or favor. <laughs> unofficially, I advise that we erase the records and forget the whole thing. I was hoping you would say that. It seems harsh, but there is a limit. Do we really want to make contact with meat? <laughs> I agree 100%. <laughs> what's there to say hello meat how's it going <laughs> <laughs> so anyways so we might just be like super weird and they're just like, like oh, formed
1: into this yeah. like
2: talking intelligent meat. piece of like muscle meat yeah and they're like they're either like machines or they're, they're like like misty intelligence or they're you know? flapping their meat at each other <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah so some of them inappropriately flapping their yeah, meat. exactly at each other.
2: i just thought, I thought that was a hilarious that is little, really uh, freaking funny short story (laughs) (laughs) so that might be part of the thing we're just so weird the aliens have not they don't want anything to do with us that's not gonna be worth the time no it's ain't worth it so that one's that one's pretty funny that one's. the next one is the simulation hypothesis which we have gone over in depth on this podcast Uh, we haven't been visited by anyone because we're living inside a computer simulation and the simulation isn't generating any extraterrestrial companions for us that's it yeah that's because we're in there's No it. match. Yep, that's it. There's no harmony.com mm-hmm. in the universe. Exactly. So then there's radio silence. This one is similar to the quarantine hypothesis, but it's not quite as paranoid, but it's still pretty paranoid. It's possible that everyone is listening, but no one is transmitting. Uh, so we're sending out some signals. like, uh, listen to those. Just listen. We're not. as anything else out. Why right. would we want to talk with yeah. them? And then maybe just all these aliens are homebodies. So like an advanced ETI upon graduating to a... Kardashev two-scale civilization <laughs> could lose all galactic-scale ambitions. So there's, there's like, these different scales of civilizations they go over quite frequently. There's, like, a one, a two, and a three, and it all depends on, like, how much energy we've been able to capture. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, but,
1: I've seen that. Yeah.
2: So once a Dyson sphere or a... Uh, metro, I, I Harvesting and creating energy, huh? Yeah. It's like um, kind of... An alien civilization would have more action and adventure in its local area than it knows what to do with. So basically, a Dyson sphere, I think, I don't know if we've talked about this before. I think we haven't mentioned it, but. But it's like a hypothetical megastructure that is built around a star, and so this thing goes around a star, and it captures all of the energy of the star. To use, as a resource? For the civilization, Yeah. right? So they say once they get to a point where they can do that, they're just like, we don't need to go anywhere. We've got everything we need right here. We can control the star. We can control energy. We're done. We're just hanging out, right? Yeah. So then they've got massive supercomputers. For and, billions of years of yeah. power produ- production. Like, exactly. No use in changing it. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the, the reasons why we maybe we haven't been contacted. Another one is we're just too dumb. We can't read the signs. <laughs> it's totally possible that the signs Super of ETIs. possible. Yeah, they're all around us, but we just can't see them. We don't know how to read them. We don't know how to hear them, or whatever. We're just like either too stupid to notice, or we haven't yet developed the technology to detect the signals that they're throwing out. So that's another reason. Or they're hanging out, They're up. getting a fancy laser pointer in our eyeball. Yeah, we don't even know it's there. We have no idea. We're just like what dumb. Is that? Like, maybe, like, diabetes or something is, is a signal from aliens, <laughs> yeah. and we just think it's a sickness. Let's control them with these pharmaceuticals. Yeah. We don't know. Or maybe they're all just hanging out at the edge of the galaxy. Um, this is from Robert Bradbury and Million M. Sirkovich. They said, they suggest that uh, the outer regions of the galactic disk are most likely locations for advanced SETI targets. The reason for this is... Th- that sophisticated, intelligent communities will tend to migrate outward through the galaxy as their ca- capacities of information processing increase, because with their supermassive computers, they're going to have huge problems in managing heat waste. Like so heat they need waste to be is way a, out so they need of, to be like outwards, it's cooler. Energy, yeah. So the further out in the galaxy, the cooler it gets. So they have to be out there, or their computers overheat. Okay. So <laughs> that's why they're out there. Um, so that's one of the reasons processors keep. Let's just. Yeah. Native way out to the edge. Exactly. Where there's nothing. Um, have you ever heard of panspermia? No. Okay, well, this is called directed panspermia. So uh, maybe we haven't made contact with ETIs because we're actually the aliens or they're the ancestors of these aliens. According to pans- directed panspermia, which is first posited by Francis Crick. Aliens spark life on other planets, like sending spores to different planets and then bugger off forever. And Maybe they never come back. Maybe they do. We'll see if it grew, but we don't got time to go So basically, we came from another planet. They just dropped us here and said, good luck. And then they left, right? So that's kind of what panspermia is. Um, And the last one we have is the phase transition hypothesis. It's kind of similar to the rare earth hypothesis, but it suggests that the universe is still evolving and changing subsequently the conditions to support advanced intelligence have only recently fallen into place. So that's the reason why it's just barely gotten to that point. So yeah. there's a lot of different reasons. Um, and there's, there's another one that we actually came and I were just listening to. I think that to. was
1: what we talked at the end of that um, show that we went to uh-huh. with Brian Cox is that he yeah. mentioned that maybe of all these changes, like we're at the very beginning yes. and we may be the most intelligent Right. Which is scary. Which was really scary. Yeah. It's or like, there's another theory. We're the that, most advanced uh-huh. ahead of
2: yeah, the okay. time of billions like of years of mm-hmm. creation. Or there's a the theory that civilizations don't get much further than we are because they because they destroy themselves. Yeah. Eventually, they, they get nuclear weapons or yeah. whatever, and and so we're kind of like at the end of the cycle. We're almost ready to destroy ourselves, which I could believe. Right. Right. And I don't
1: remember like some of the quotes from like Einstein and. Yeah. Um, uh, And all those that developed the nuclear weapons. Like Oppenheimer, yeah. Yeah, Oppenheimer's like, like, we probably (laughs) created the. (laughs) This is bad. Yeah. Which is possible. You know, they talk a lot about like Mars looking like a destroyed planet. Yeah. From just possible chaotic war and all Mm -hmm. this stuff. So it's just interesting. It
2: is super interesting. To entertain a little bit in your brain. Yeah, for sure. Before we get moving on, though, I got to tell you about nutrient survival, Cam. We obviously know we live in a mad mad world and it's in constant change. So there's no time like today to prepare for the uncertainties of tomorrow. It could be the end of the world. Mm -hmm. We don't know that. Mm -hmm. And nothing prepares you for what's to come like proper nutrition, whether you're adventuring, exploring, passing down traditions, or simply being smart and keeping your priorities and plans in order. It's all the same. That's why we like Nutrient Survival. Top-shelf, delicious, special ops-grade nutrition designed to the nutritional standards of the U.S. military, but intended for normal dudes just like Cam and I and you guys listening. Made with real ingredients. Made in America to keep Americans healthy, strong, and alert. Perfect for today and ready for anything ahead. From hearty, delicious entrees and nutrient-dense snacks to immunity-boosting drinks and strength-building shakes, each with 40 essential nutrients. Available in handy singles, daily-use pantry packs, durable cans, and three- to 90-day survival kits, keeping your world safe and your body in peak condition. Okay? Uh, They're on-the-go packs. They're my favorite because you can throw them in a bug-out bag, you can throw them in an EDC bag, in an emergency kit. Camping. All that kind of stuff. You just add water, you're going to be eating that stuff, and you're going to be a happy person after you eat it. And they got long shelf lives. That's what's really cool. So head on over to Nutrientsurvival.com. Use our code CASUALPREPPERS. you going to get 10% off your order. I just I can't reiterate this enough. It is the best long-term shelf life food on the market. It has the most nutritional value. It's the most complete. Most and complete. it tastes good. And it tastes fantastic. So go get it. Nutrientsurvival.com. Use our code CASUALPREPPERS for that 10% off. Okay. Yes. Do it. Do it. I mean, this is probably where intelligent life
1: has given us yeah. the gift. Of yeah. Sur- yeah. Yeah. Full of sure. Nutrition. No food, doubt. Nutrient survival. Um. So, Kobe mentioned briefly, he'd he mentioned SETI. And so, we're going to talk about communications with aliens in the attempt mm-hmm. and the continued attempt to talk with some aliens.
2: Yeah. Because have we even been trying? Or are we just like we have hanging out? Trying, We've been trying okay. for a long time. We have, which yeah, is kind of crazy. It is kind of nuts.
1: So SETI still exists, and it's an acronym for the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, mm. and it's an effort to detect evidence of technological civilizations that may exist elsewhere in the universe, particularly in our galaxy. SETI. We can't quite reach beyond that yet. We shouldn't because we don't know what's out in ours. <laughs> yeah, we don't <laughs> very clearly. Um and there are potentially billions of locations outside our solar system. So that's why we're just like, let's find out what's in ours. Yeah. Then we'll move on. Um, with our current technology, we have some ability to discover evidence of cosmic habitation. And in the specific case of our SETI experiments, to find beings that are at a technological level, at least as advanced as our own. Mm-hmm. So we're just like, got to be out there. Mm-hmm. Let's make contact with them. Yeah. And see if they'll vote. In
0: 2024. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. We need yeah, all the right. help we can get. Wait, what's your pronoun, alien? We don't know. First things first,
1: <laughs> I want you to vote for this guy. Yeah. So, Let me um, give you a
2: pamphlet <laughs> real quick in a book.
1: I'm surprised that's not what the capsules that they've <laughs> shot out have had yeah. in there. It's like, if you come to our planet... This is who would be president.
2: <laughs> that probably wouldn't be super enticing most of the time. They're like, piss on that. Are you kidding me? I ain't going there. Setty. You, Setty you your ass down. And get away from me. <laughs> You're transmitting this garbage? <laughs> yeah, this is ridiculous. Forget <laughs> it. Send us more of that music. <laughs> now, that was the only yeah, cool thing yeah. I heard.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah. That's, that's pretty... That's
2: a high intelligence. That's
1: right. Thinking there. The search for extra, extraterrestrial intelligence is a collective term for scientific searches for intelligent extraterrestrial life. That's so what I was mentioning. Yeah. Um, monitoring electromagnetic radiation for signs of transmissions from civilizations
2: on other planets. I ought to start doing that. I got a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't know why I haven't started. So one of
1: one of probably the most, um, you know, the, the, one of the technologies that exists and has for the longest that we figured out is like, radio transmission and reading so it's like we're just we're just barely getting into the you know high technical Mm -hmm. visual and and stuff like that cameras and everything but radio has been around a long time yeah i don't know how long but a long time for a while and so lots of different ways to kind of you know ultrasound the whole freaking galaxy you know Mm -hmm. see what's out there so um some of, the techn- some of the different research projects that SETI conducts, mm-hmm. uh, one of them is the Allen Telescope Array. Oh, yeah. The first radio telescope to be designed from the ground up to be used for SETI searches. So um, you can look that one up. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's basically using like several different dishes to kind of um, collect the, the data and, and compile it into one to kind of detect different things out there. Hmm. And some of the newer ones, the laser SETI. Is Ooh. a project instrument and set of observatories designed to scan, the, all, scan all the sky all the time for extra solar laser pulses. So, if there's a techno show, a rave going on wow. different part of the galaxy, shooting lasers, that laser said he's going to pick it up oh, that's cool. or send it out that we're having a techno dance club. Nice. Uh, the new radio and SETI, new as in G-N-U, technology uh-huh. could speed the design of new receivers and allow scientists to quickly change how to, um, uh, data's data is data, data-data, analyzed and displayed. So there's mm-hmm. like a lot of different things they're working on. Um, some of the uh, past ones we'll probably talk about when we go into the previous alien communication mm-hmm. attempts. Um, this one, so SETI... Has been controversial, and a lot of uh, you know, congressmen and politicians are like, This is a waste of time, yeah. We don't want to do this. Um, there's risks involved with it, there's a waste of money doing it, you know. Let's just
2: like they really care about
1: money, exactly. (laughs) Like
2: millions of dollars, once they ever
1: are concerned about it, millions (laughs) of
2: dollars to like study the sex habits of gay turtles (laughs) in Florida's panhandle. Like, it's just like
1: seriously. That's the truth. It's like you're you're not gonna you're not wanting to do this, but you're wanting to do that.
2: Doesn't make any sense.
1: Um, and some of the uh, I think it's the one that was funded and kind of supported by the late uh, Stephen Hawkins Mm -hmm. is the Breakthrough Listen is a ten year initiative with a hundred million funding that be that begun in two thousand July two thousand fifteen to actively search for intelligent and test uh, extraterrestrial communications in the universe so this is one that has kind of a lot of support behind it mm-hmm. and recently you know they they hit a few things that they thought maybe were were uh, uh extraterrestrial mm-hmm. uh, sounds and things like that but you know when it's broken down by other smart scientists and stuff they're just like well yeah, they don't disagree they don't agree on it, was- it being extraterrestrial they're like now nah, it's the moon from jupiter jupiter's putting out pulses Hmm. And then there's all sort of stuff. So, anyways, uh, breakthrough listen is part of SETI, and then there's FAST, which is Chinese um, China's version. It's a 500 meter aperture spherical telescope called FAST that is is used for detecting interstellar communication signals. So we're Hmm. not the only ones looking. Yeah. China's trying to beat us to everything. They'll beat us probably. So there you go.
2: Oh, that's pretty cool.
1: But let's talk about some of the past attempts and how successful those were.
2: Let's do it. Yeah. I'm excited. So there was a guy named Joseph Johan von Littrow. You ever heard of him? No. You haven't? You'll remember him though. (laughs) You will remember him after this. So we're going to talk about all these attempts in the past or ideas that people had, like, how are we going to talk to aliens? Yeah. So it jo- wasn't a, yeah, it didn't just start in 95 no, 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 or, or
1: with SETI. Like, yeah. people were like, let's talk to
2: other planets. Let's try and figure out how to do it. And this Joseph Johann von Littrow, he suggested something pretty intense, uh, pretty intense. Um, <laughs> this incensed one, this too. is definitely one of my favorites. <laughs> so, one of the earliest solutions was suggested in the early 19th century by the uh, Austrian astronomer Joseph Johann von Littrow. That's just a great name, too. Yeah. Like, it's really good. I'll listen to him. Yeah, Joseph great Johan Littreau, um, who proposed digging massive trenches in the Sahara Desert, filling them with water, pouring kerosene on top, and then <laughs> setting the kerosene on fire in order to send flaming messages to our planetary neighbors.
1: That, one's <laughs> that was
0: his idea. <laughs>
1: We're just going to have a big old... What, you, what you, I wonder what he was going to write I don't in know. the sand.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's just going to yeah. be bun- just something. Yeah. Oh, look, they got a bonfire. <laughs> Must be somebody. That I, I really don't know. I, I looked forever to try to find more information on this, theory, this idea he had, but there's really just... That's about all you can find on the internet about it, but holy crap. Rest up. <laughs> Next... <laughs> Next planet with <laughs> gas station <laughs> for, and food for the next six thousand hundred billion light years. <laughs> yeah, um, so that that was a great idea, old Joseph. I John like Vaughan, that one. It's Vaughan like the, the
1: most trip. like simple. We'll just burn a bunch of crap, make it look like yeah. something I mean, something. we
2: don't really need Russia, right? We just <laughs> set it on fire. <laughs> Let's see what happens. It's you worth know? a
1: shot, I think. We yeah.
2: never try anything. Let's just try the it. Kerosene's cheap right now.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> prices are down <laughs> little do we know that he'd started a kerosene business That's on the exactly side probably what, was <laughs> happening. Exactly what he did yeah hello joseph johan von litro kerosene what man you guys of think the west if... <laughs> 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 <No>. <laughs> number one kerosene dealer on this side of the
1: hemisphere <laughs> i know it seems good for your candles but look we could talk with more sophisticated life out there if we use all the kerosene burn it up just saying. Yeah, we're gonna light your you know, we're gonna light your you wanna use high quality kerosene from yeah. Australia.
2: Yeah, literal kerosene.
1: <laughs>
0: no doubt. That's what I you know how to,
1: we know how to transport, sell, <laughs> move. Which is greatest idea. Number one kerosene dealer. Right here. Here's my card. Let's talk to AD. <laughs> Let's go into it. Let's do it. Um, so here's this is interesting. Uh eighteen ninety six, Nikola Tesla. The original. He's like the
2: car dealer guy. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs>
1: he building cars back then. Yeah, yeah. So he suggested that an extreme version of his wireless electrical transmission system could be used to contact beings on Mars.
2: Oh, which is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. In
1: 1899, while conducting experiments at his Colorado Springs Experimental Station, he thought that he had detected a signal from the planet, since an odd rep- repetitive static signal seemed to. Cut off when Mars set in the night sky. Oh. So he's like, wow, 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 wow. Mars comes up. <laughs> he's uh, like, somebody's interrupting it. Yeah. Got to be Mars. Um, uh, analysis of Tesla's research has led to a range of explanations, including Tesla simply misunderstood the new technology he was working with. I'm like, of all the people, Yeah, Tesla just didn't understand it. Idiot, didn't even know. That he may have been uh, observing signals from Marconi's European radio experiments, and mm-hmm. even speculation that he could have picked up naturally occurring radio noise caused by the moon of Jupiter. Wow. I-O. Yeah. Uh, moving through the mag- magnetosphere of Jupiter. In the early 1900s, um, Marconi, Guglielmo Guglielmo, Guglielmo? <laughs> Guglielmo, Guglielmo, and then Lord Kelvin came yeah. up with Kelvins. <laughs> yeah. And D- David Peck
2: Todd. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is another nice.
0: I know, they're
2: not impressive. Lord Kelvin and David Peck Todd. High five. <laughs>
1: What's up, boys? <laughs> also stated their belief that the radio could be used to contact Martian. So they were like on board. They're yeah. like, freaking Tesla did it. Yeah. Guaranteed there's aliens out there. With Marconi stating that his stations had also picked up potential Martian signals. Mm-hmm. So this is in the, eight, the late 1800s, nine, early 1900s, they were like, Picking up these weird signals um, way before the time of anybody understanding what the freak technology really was. Yeah. Like, it's crazy to me.
2: Oh, it's so And nuts. so
1: they were like, maybe there is some, you know, maybe Mars was on its way out at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Couldn't look at it before then. Yeah. So maybe that was their, their SOS signal.
0: Hmm. Please
1: help us, Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so hearing something. I'm we're catching that. something. Hey, what was that? Now it's gone.
2: Yeah, it's macaroni signals, probably.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's that's good gleam <laughs> <lime> on <old>
2: macaroni. <laughs> peck Todd, peck Todd, come in. This is Lord Kelvin. Lord Kelvin. <laughs> Lord, Lord Kelvin coming in. <laughs> I can hear you now. Uh, so have you ever heard of the Arecibo message? I could be saying it Heard of wrong. the dish. It could be er- yeah, Arecibo. 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 <laughs> um, this message is an I think inter- it is Arecibo, isn't it? interstellar radio message carrying basic information about humanity and Earth that was sent to the globular star cluster m13 in 1974 Uh, so basically it was meant as a demonstration of human technological achievement in its I mean, it doesn't seem like it's achieving much, but once you hear what it is, but rather than a real attempt <laughs> to enter into a conversation with extraterrestrials. So, it has been noted that the low resolution of the image makes it infeasible for any extraterrestrial recipients to attach the intended meaning to most of its elements. The message was broadcast into space a single time via frequency-modulated radio waves at a ceremony to mark the remodeling of the Arecibo Radio Telescope in Puerto Rico on 16th of November in 1974. So. The message consists of seven parts that encode the following. Uh, it says uh, the numbers from one to ten. One to this ten. This is so weird to me because it's I like know. if they detected this, they're like, what. It's just gibberish. It's being sent. Somebody sent their homework up to us or something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. So it has playing with the dang <laughs> Morse code. Speaking spell or something. So <laughs> it's got the numbers 1 to 10 in white, and then it has the atomic numbers of the elements hydrogen, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, phosphorus, which make up and acid, DNA, purple. Okay? The formulas for the chemical compounds that make up nucleotides of DNA the estimated number of DNA nucleotides in the human genome, and a graphic of the double helix structure of DNA. The d- dimension of an average man, a graphic figure of a human being, I don't know Which what parts that is. is a man? <laughs> I know. In, a, in the human population of Earth, a graphic of the solar system, indicating which of the planets this message is coming from, a graphic of the Arecibo... <laughs> you are here. Yeah. We are here. It's like a map on a trailhead. <laughs> you know? You are here. Trail goes this way. It's (laughs) It's like a big old coffee ring on it. Whoops. (laughs) Sorry about that. Arecibo coffee. Um, A graphic of the Arecibo radio telescope and the dimension um, of the transmitting antenna dish um, so, but yeah, we sent, we sent homework, science homework to the aliens. Seriously? <laughs> it's like, I don't even get it. Uh, we just sent a bunch of- Look at of, these
1: guys. Look then, at
2: what they think they've discovered. And when you see, it's like a, um- Here's the key code to the White House. Like, <laughs> sending click, all this weird click stuff. Click that link I have right there, and you can see what the thing looks like. It looks like a bad video game, um, graphic. I think that's what I'm, it looks like. I think I've seen it. Let me see here. If if I looked at that as an alien, it'd be like, these people are stupid. What the heck is it? You see it right oh there on the right? Oh my gosh. That's what they sent into space. Wow. <laughs> um so if you want to look it up, you can see what that is. It looks is. like a light bright. That's what it looks like. Yeah, a light bright. Like they've
1: just like <laughs> like the man. <laughs> yeah, is that the
2: dimensions? <laughs> That's what a man looks
1: like. <laughs> I wonder what dimension Stand they still. I got to draw you, Daryl. Let's see. It
2: looks like biceps are six. Yeah. your <laughs> size is only. That's embarrassing. Yeah. This is, it doesn't make. It looks like somebody's like, well, my kid finished it for us last night on their light bright. Let's just take a photo and send it up into space. <laughs> it does look ridiculous. So
1: bad. Is that a trampoline with an M on it? <laughs> yeah. That's what it looks like, huh? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. You got a McDonald's there, it looks like. Hell
2: yeah, Golden Arches.
1: That one's pretty crazy. So that's message. I like the messages they were sending out. Nothing. It's just like all this random yeah, gibberish. I this know. was our DNA that we figured out. Yeah. This is my car speed limit. But it's this all
2: speed just limits of a... pixels on a on a thing, and it, uh, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. But the children. But again, I'm planet. not an astrophysicist. Yeah.
1: So. I'm astrophysicists. Look at it, they're like, know. oh, oh clever, clever, <laughs> well done. Good job, good job. Mm-hmm. One line's a little off. We but... knocked this one out of the park, boys. <laughs> we're all up for raises next year. Nobody that's, <laughs> nobody's gonna look at that and not think we're highly intelligible beings.
2: Gosh damn, put that on the outside of the building. <laughs> People drive by and see that sucker. Woo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh yeah. So um
2: 1962,
1: Soviet scientists always involved in yeah. everything out there. Transmitted radio signal to Venus. <laughs> Venus.
0: I don't know why
1: Venus. It's like, pick one.
0: Look, I know you sent this to Venus, but I said, send Everybody's it to my penis. Focus on <laughs> you misheard what I said. I said, let's send the I radio joking, signal okay. to my penis, but I guess we'll try anyways. <laughs>
1: Everybody's so hyper focused on <laughs> Mars. Let's send it to Venus. Yeah, it's I'm the spra- next Why isn't one? anybody like Jupiter is so big? We'll go to Jupiter. Yeah, it's too far away. That's true. Uh, in 1962, the, scien- the Soviet scientist aimed a radio transmitter at Venus and <laughs> saluted the planet in Morse code. <laughs> it's probably just a radio.
0: <laughs> we are scientists now. Just- <laughs> <laughs> we just moving it up. and. <laughs> Stand on top of the car. Let's see if we can get to <laughs> Venus. I bet you hear that. <laughs> <laughs> the Venusians can hear that. I guarantee it. They're going to want to come down here. <laughs> <laughs> coming directly to check out
1: Vladimir's house I guarantee it. oh man this introduction the first of its kind included three words mir which is peace or world mm-hmm. lenin and the SSS, SSSS are the latin alphabet acronym for the acrylic name of the soviet union so they're like we the soviets world peace lenin mir lenin is 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 or <laughs> Uh, the message was considered largely symbolic, according to the 2018 article published in the International Journal of Astrobiology. Um, I thought astrobiology, like biology and a- uh, astrophysics, were like,
0: Nuh-uh. yeah, well, no, it's a big deal now.
1: More than anything, it was a test run for a brand new planetary radar. A technology which sends radio waves into space with the primary goal of observing and mapping objects sources. and sources, so like a sonar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. That
2: is pretty cool.
1: But mm. um, they didn't say if anybody talked to them, talk back to. Them. I
2: don't think they would tell us. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Uh,
1: no, we did not receive
0: any message. <laughs> we don't say anything to anybody. Okay, <laughs> keep this between us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Lenin is. Uh, yes, please come to Russia. <laughs> don't go to the United States. They have very bad You want now. to go to stupid idiots or you <laughs> want to come to the most superior race? Do you want to eat the hamburgers or do you want the borscht soup? Come on now. <laughs> yeah. It's, clear, it's that clear. This is the that choice place. is so super easy, you stupid Venusians. They oh, want the Martians, we want the Venus people. <laughs> we will send our Venus people to fight your Martians.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're Just not re- scared <laughs> of your different Martians. Different planetary <laughs> beings we will make our own army with different planet.
0: We're going to rule this world with oh. the Venus people. <laughs> Turn it up, man. Turn it up. Turn <laughs> it 10, to 11. <laughs> Crank that shit up. <laughs> I'll piss the siren sounds on again. The <laughs> <a> little random. <laughs> God damn it. They're going to wonder what that is. I hear this Radio Shack pizza shit. <laughs> Radio Shack. <laughs> <laughs> Radio Shack. <laughs> um...
2: Anyway, so have you ever heard of John Shepard? <laughs> um, I hadn't, yeah, until... now you do, yeah. So, this dude, oh, he was a dude, man. This dude, I tell you, <laughs> he, likes he to was dudes. awesome. So, in the mid 1960s, John Shepard, he was a boy living in rural Michigan. Uh, he began thinking of ways that he could contact aliens. I mean, I was when I was a little boy, <laughs> that was all over. I was thinking about singing good in a car, we talked about that earlier. <laughs> But tell, uh, it. tell no. us tell oh, us you got to hear what Kobe's ah oh, hell his fear the, stup- the stupid stuff you you think about when you're a kid we're talking about it. Yeah, so driving I, around in I rem- Salt Lake. Yeah, I remember driving in the car and, and my parents were always listening to country radio and I loved it. I was singing my heart out, right? <laughs> and I always thought like, how do people become singers? Like, I guarantee, like the radio, or I mean the uh, the radio people or the record companies, they're riding around in like vans <laughs> with like these, these crazy <laughs> listening devices. <laughs> got to so find the next. They can
1: find the, the ne- next Garth Brooks, the next
2: Clint Blacks coming. And so I'd be like, oh shit, this song, my song's on. I got to sing it good because I guarantee. <laughs> Listening <laughs> <laughs> right now so i would i would sing my damn heart out like and Your when i was over i was like
1: why is he cranking it up
2: back there <laughs> and i'm just like i was feeling i'm like i get that was it that one's gonna do it and i'm just like waiting for the phone call when i get home is that you van know? dad is that van getting closer to yeah. us yeah Dad, if I'm not home, take a message if somebody calls,
1: okay? <laughs> should... Dad, when I hit this note, I want to see if any traffic back. Isn't that behind so us. weird? The stupid crap you, you do. Thought you get when all like kid. Yeah, guaranteed this is happening. They're oh, listening right now. I Anyways. used to always think there was like little people in my body that were doing the work, like pushing yeah. poop out yeah. and
2: like pushing. They were yeah. like in there, just like operating your yeah. body. It's weird, man. You thought stupid stuff, but this guy, he just wanted to contact alien life forms. That was his dream. So, it was around about that time that a show called The Outer Limits was on television. He recalls. I remember being fascinated by the idea of somehow building my own scientific instruments to explore the mysterious phenomenon that is extraterrestrial life. So, in 1972, from the living room of his grandparents' house, he began chasing his dream by broadcasting a series of electronic tone pulses towards the stars. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. so. So began an extraordinary 30 year journey he called Project Strat, Special Telemetry Research and Tracking. Yeah, Yeah. So he used. Got du- a name, honey. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, He used dual channel oscillators. Butters. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. He's a gay guy. So it's. Um, Got he a used name, buddy. Dual channel oscillators, cathode ray tubes. Giant, where did he get all this stuff? Uh, Did he get it on eBay? There was no eBay back in 1972. Oh, that's true. He just had to go buy all this stuff, like, he used all the money he had to to fund this thing, too. And if you so. Giant screens to monitor incoming signals, low frequency transmitter sending signals millions of miles into space. So it, it, there's a there's actually a documentary about him on Netflix that you can go watch. It's only like 15 minutes long. It's called John Was Trying to Contact Aliens. But you can see the photos in the video of this. He It's like a big old gun, isn't it? Well, he had like, that. There's so much stuff though. Like oh, there's really? process, there's just different levels to what he did here. But you can see photos of his grandma's. Like it shows photos of his grandma in a chair, like knitting, and his grandpa sitting next to him, like drinking a- And there's just like machines everywhere <laughs> around the room, and they're just like in the middle of John's this. John's gonna figure it out. Yeah, I got faith in that little kid. <laughs> he's gonna do it, he's gonna make yeah. history. He's- <laughs> we ain't gonna live in this junk hole all our lives. You no, know, he said we're moving up and moving out soon, mama. <laughs> grandma gonna hit your ride with the. <laughs> Superior beings. Out yeah, there. so he built a two-story-high deep space transmitter. They he pulled his money and his grandma's money together to build, in an, an addition to his house, and it was went underneath one story and then up, so there was a two-story-high space transmitter. It had little money, but he he'd go to like military surplus sales and like wholesale electronic warehouses, um, in Traverse City, collecting the materials he needed. Um, in the garden, he erected a two-story 150,000-volt output stage, whatever that means, mounted on a pair Death. of tall metal towers made from s- salvage that included dismantled ski lift in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> um, in the living room, scientific equipment this would was arranged floor-to-ceiling along wall yeah. So... This is so. Was there
1: any building code violations? I'm sure there was. <laughs> like this probably is probably on his rural butt.
2: Michigan. They don't think they cared. No. He would broadcast music 500,000 miles into space. Uh, so he would basically be like a DJ on the radio show. <laughs> and so it shows clips of him, and he'd be like, "There are any aliens out there? Listen, please tune back in tomorrow at 9 p.m. for more music." <laughs> Like that's how he would talk. He's like, here's and he played the stupidest, dumbest music you'd ever heard. It's like (laughs) Afro pop. What ridiculous (laughs) stuff. Um so Well he sounds pretty sane. He does, yeah. So he eventually gave up after about thirty years, uh, due to lack of funds and never finding anything. (laughs) <laughs> um, surprise! Surprise! So that's that's John Shepard, but you should go check out the uh, the Netflix documentary. John was trying to contact the aliens. It's about fifteen minutes, but it takes a really hard left hand turn there about the last five minutes <laughs> about him finding his gay husband lover, and I don't like it just came out of nowhere. That is weird. They like added yeah. that in cause it's like, it, it was actually really interesting though. It's worth watching for fifteen nice. minutes. I can yeah. do that. I can do fifteen. Oh, show! Sure. I can pull that out of Monday.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just imagine, like. In the neighborhood, they're like been trying to sell my house for <laughs> the last two years. Yeah, got a ski lift two stories <laughs> up.
2: Ski lift cathode ray manometer in the backyard. <laughs> Nobody wants to live next to that. Yeah, every time yeah. I turn on the friggin' microwave, I piss myself. Everybody <laughs> get <forget laughs> who I am for a, a week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the uh, <laughs> all their TVs are like fuzzies, like that. <laughs> God, Freaking John, John's out turn there Turn on the
2: radio Transmitting garbage Let's, let's listen <laughs> I wonder if he had to get um Like an You'd have to have right? Like a license from The aliens well, are like This is copyright Yeah <laughs> I'm not gonna check it out Yeah Um
1: 1977 spaceships Voyager 1 And mm-hmm. Voyager 2 Sent to collect data Sound and pics Um so, the, I think we mentioned these at one point. Yeah, I think we in did. In our alien research.
0: Voyager mm-hmm. <laughs> Voyager's <laughs>
1: one and two were launched in 1977 to explore the outer reaches of our solar system in interstellar space. Each mm-hmm. carries a golden record. Hell yeah. Containing music. <laughs> uh-huh. Ambient sounds from Earth, like raindrops. <laughs> ambient sounds from Earth. was <laughs> like, it's like a um, sleep. <laughs> the sleep slot, yeah. The little sleep machine. S- sleep they machine. Up there. They're like, oh, that's pretty nice. <laughs>
0: Doop, boop, yeah.
1: Like dripping in, this is beautiful. Airplane cabin noise. Yeah. <laughs> Gunfire. Yeah. Let me record this. <laughs> um, 116 images of our planet and solar system. I cool. really want to know what those 116. Yeah. That seems pretty limited for all the cool things in, on Earth. Yeah. But it's like car tire, some trash <laughs> in on the, the, the grass, stupidest stuff ever. <laughs> Dog like. Yeah. Is sitting on the porch. Well, that sounds pretty nice there. Um, but all this was loaded up on these two different uh, spaceships and sent out into space. That's cool. In hope that they'll eventually be scooped out of the interstellar space by intelligent life forms. Nice. What is that? A rocket? Beam it in. Let's see what's in there. Yeah, check that out. Uh, the Voyager spacecraft are still chugging through interstellar space, waiting to be discovered. But the chances of, ha- of that happening... Sherry Wells Jensen says zero, <laughs> a linguist at uh, Bowling Green State University in Ohio, w- who specializes in extraterrestrial intelligence. A
2: linguist, huh? Interesting.
1: Yeah, like on uh, uh, what's that one called? Ace Ventura. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> the arrival. The ri- arrival. Yeah, yeah. It was just a beautiful. It okay. So she said it was just a beautiful and poetic, lovely, brave attempt. That really did sum up kind of the best of us, even if it's pointless in terms of actually communicating. <laughs> That's so funny. Wells Jensen told Life Science, she's like, stupidest idea ever. But beautiful. it was cute. It's real cute. And that record's great. Pictures are beautiful. Yeah. But stupid. It's like, so when when your anyway, kids do there's two spacecrafts yeah. just bouncing around out there, and maybe somebody will scoop them up.
2: Yeah. Pretty big odds with all the space. Exactly. So Doritos. <laughs> That took a hard right t- turn. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Uh, so in 2008, Doritos beamed a 30 second ad beyond the Earth's atmosphere and into the universe for any aliens that may be watching. The ultra high frequency signal was directed at a solar system 42 light years away from Earth with planets that orbit a star similar to the sun. They had a video contest and they just sent it out. <laughs> That's what Doritos does. Yeah.
1: Weird stuff
2: like that. So they they took it. Wasn't there another
1: brand that did it? Even brand, but I think it's just the same kind of deal. I don't know. Yeah. So some there's been some commercials sent out into space. Yeah.
2: Makes sense. Oh,
1: Doritos sound good. Yeah. Let's go
2: check it out. Let's go check out this earth.
1: Um, other events of really interesting people. 2010 Klingon Opera event. Had no idea that existed Mm. in Holland was shared with the universe in Klingon language. Of course. So, with the start of the last leg of the Project U, we thought it was time to contact our most important potential audience members, the Klingons themselves. Uh, I don't know how you say their planet. What is it? Klonos? Uh-huh. Um. Anyway, somebody's going to piss at us. Right oh, here. yeah. And you're just, uh, you Yes, that wrong. The first ever radio message was sent to or whatever, on Sunday the 18th of April translated and voiced by none other than Mark Ockrand the message invites the Klingons he's like oh,
2: who's Mark Ockrand
1: I don't know he he voices one of the Klingons of the home world to attend the special premiere of opera on our special location in Kijkunduin Kijkunduin I don't know this task was left in the very capable hands of the communication experts at Pool Worldwide in the following video I didn't have that on there. The message was sent with Cameras, C-A-M-R-A-S, mm. telescope at Dwingelo in the Netherlands. Mm. We want to thank the whole Cameras team for their work, which is pretty cool that they did this. Yeah. The real Klingon people have also been invited to see the show, and it will take 36 years for the message to, receive, to reach them.
2: <laughs> Perfect.
1: <laughs> pretty sure they're not going to make it to the... the, the oh, they the, want the us event. to come now? It was 36 years ago. <laughs> Wait, Jeez. they're having an event? Oh, this was sent way back. Yeah, it's a damn post office. 46, 36 <laughs> years ago. Ridiculous. So, yeah. Sending out Star Trek nerd stuff into space. Yeah. Hoping that maybe mm-hmm. Captain Kirk will intercept.
2: Yeah. So, have you ever heard of METI? Um, no. So, it's, a, it's an organization aiming to make contact with other civilizations. It's not SETI. It's Medi. Okay. It will send out its second message from... It's Go- the text message version. Yeah. Goonhilly's satellite Earth station in Cornwall. Goonhilly! <laughs> yeah. Um, a message containing scientific data and music samples will be broadcast to a star system 39 light years from Earth in hopes of sparking a conversation with advanced extraterrestrial intelligence. The message is only the second to come from the San Francisco-based organization Messaging Extraterrestrial Intelligence. So that's Medi. Unlike the search group for extraterrestrial intelligence, SETI, Medi aims to proactively contact other civilizations rather than just listening, right? So um, the message will be sent on October 4th from the Goon Hilly Satellite Ground Station in Cornwall to TRAPPIST-1, a star orbiting at You better least.
1: not miss out on a letter
2: there. I know, <laughs> yeah. <The> RAPIST-1? <laughs> oh, wait, I mean, I, there's a T on in front of that. T, T, T. Um, three of these small words are found in the so-called Goldilocks worlds, or so Mm. in the Goldilocks area where water could remain liquid and potentially support life the musical part of the message will include include Ode 1 Ode to the Herald of God Ah. A Beauty of the Earth by Edward Artemyev and Journey Through the Asteroid Belt from The Comet is Coming Hmm. sounds pretty good as well as tracks from DJs and musicians performing at Stihia festival in munak uzbekistan I couldn't find anything else no that that was the only people that would license the music apparently <laughs> yeah, organized to highlight the environmental impact of the shrinking aral sea <laughs> okay yeah. all right if any life forms Coldplay, tra- play
1: you guys willing to send no,
2: no <laughs> not gonna okay. happen now maybe we can get nickel back maybe <laughs> i don't know i think we're just gonna have to get these weirdos they're the only people off will send some <laughs> yeah. stuff up Got to keep them separated. <laughs> um, so if any life forms in the Trappist-1 system get the message and respond, it will be about 80 years before we get the word from them. Um, if we get a response from the first half dozen or dozen stars we target, that effectively means the universe is teeming with intelligent life. Interesting. We're testing a version of the zoo hypothesis that, in fact, they're there. They already know we're here. But to get access to the Galactic Club, we have to submit an application and maybe even pay a small membership fee. He says. So it's I'm our sure. attempt to guarantee. It's an annual fee. Yeah. So that's that's Medi. They're trying to they're trying to contact. That's R2. cool. They're trying to set up
1: mm-hmm. a nice little club.
2: Yeah, for sure. So um, this one this
1: one isn't necessarily mm-hmm. someone that's trying to reach out, but mm-hmm. it came up when I was. Looking at different articles and stuff and forums, this is Stan Romanek. Oh yeah, want to talk about this guy? He encountered because somehow we missed this when we were talking about alien encounters. Oh, okay, but it's worth talking about. Sure. Um, he encountered the first UFO on the outskirts of Denver almost eight years ago. Oh. It was just after dark, and I looked up. And there was this big red, blue looking UFO. <laughs> And he took some video of it, so you can look that up. Romanek's video camera caught some video. He's not the only one that same night that had some, Mm. you know, images and stuff from whatever was going on. Same club, same drugs. Exactly. (laughs) Romanek 46, who belongs to the growing community of believers who say they have been personally touched by extraterrestrials. Mm.
2: (laughs) Show me where the alien touched you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. It's just
1: private, but it's for
0: studies.
1: (laughs) What are they? I couldn't tell you. Are they from a different planet? I can't tell you. I know they're not human, whatever they are. But as far as I'm concerned, they're not far from here. So he's been, um, he's had multiple events since that event Hmm. that they've kind of communicated with him and and shown up to talk to him. One event. Um, he's, Well. he said this too. If you're a true experiencer, true abductee, Mm -hmm. you have what's called high strangeness. Ah. All these weird, bizarre, paranormal things start to happen, almost like your house is being haunted. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, he said that sometimes birds would crash into his car. We all know why. Drones. Government's just inspecting, monitoring. It's almost like they're chasing me. Maybe I'm the store, maybe... I'm the story. For whatever reason, they're harassing me, and I can't tell you why. Mm. I have no answers to that. They're touching me in weird places. No, I'm just <laughs> Even now, eight years later, I have no answer for you. I can't tell you um, why. Why me? Why are they contacting me? Mm-hmm. He said one event, 2.30 in the morning, um, aliens came knocking at his door.
2: Oh, so
1: that's direct. Maybe all of our, like, um, all these transmissions, maybe mm-hmm. somebody found Voyager 1 or 2, yeah. and they came... To this Romanek guy. To check it out. Three key, three creatures, beings came to the door. I honestly, I thought it was somebody in a mask. I yeah. thought they were going to rob us. As I got closer, I started wondering if they were masked because I could see veins in their head. Oh, I yeah. could see their facial movements. I could see their mouth move. I could see their eyes blink. And as I got real close, I realized something different and I started to get frightened.
0: Yeah.
1: And Romanek told ABC News that the female being led... uh led him out of his second-story apartment onto the balcony, and he recalled being tapped on the back of the head, waking up in the room unknown, surrounded by a bizarre light. Makes sense. Images of horrible cat- catastrophes, wind so strong that it would rip pavement off the earth, forest-burning devastation to the planet, or, or things that were transmitted to him. So Interesting. But anyways, um, he, he, he was able to communicate with these aliens and aliens and they would like visit him and he would get like all these different things that were happening to him. So maybe some of these, uh, you know, attempts, there's only a certain small group of people that the aliens were wanting to talk to and communicate with.
2: And And we're, we're ostracizing these people. We're telling them that they're idiots and they're dumb. Yeah. But they're actually contacting them.
1: Yeah. So, um, that's the thing, is we don't know. We don't. Like, we. maybe we're being watched, maybe mm-hmm. they don't want to talk to us, but maybe they've just picked a very select, certain amount of people mm-hmm. that they want to, like, go through things with, see what kind of things we know. Yeah. I don't Makes know. Makes total sense. You never know. Stan sure things. so.
2: Here's the thing. A lot of people actually have a fear of contacting aliens. There are some very smart scientists that say, this probably isn't the best thing to be doing, right? So... Here's what they say. They say kind of, like, in the first place, we don't know anything about the alien civilizations we're trying to contact. They might be hyper-violent. They might be super-intelligent. Um, in the history of our own planet, as thought as anything, the contact between two civilizations when one is technologically advanced, it doesn't end well it's for true. the more primitive civilization, right? So, And then there's also that issue of, like, who gets to speak on behalf of the Earth? Take American Indians, for example. Yeah, take them. Um, But... What? Yeah. Who? Who's the guy that? Who's the guy or girl who gets to represent Earth? Who's going to talk to the aliens? Trump. Yeah. I mean. Or you know Biden. What I, yeah. So I'm saying Biden like, would be great to. But but it's like, <laughs> is it going to be? We don't understand. Putin? Your language. Is it going to be? You know what I mean? Like yeah. we don't know. Like how do you do that? So yeah. Through the International Academy of Astronautics, they've drafted a protocol forbidding sending messages into outer space. Did you know that? It is not enforceable by law. So, anyone with access to a radio telescope can say whatever they want in the universe without any legal repercussions. But they did draft it up and they said you can't do it. Um, <laughs> so, some of these scientists say no. They just, um, Stephen Hawking actually said we shouldn't be trying to contact them. And he's, yet he's part of SETI. Like he yeah. funded. That, yeah, to- but SETI is just listening. Oh, that's true. That's a listening. That's just listening. That's true. Okay. He does he said don't send out anything. Yep. He said don't send anything out. He said we only have to look at ourselves. I think
1: that's a better idea.
2: Yeah, to see how intelligent life might develop into something we wouldn't want to meet, Hawking said in 2010. He has compared meeting aliens to Christopher Columbus meeting Native Americans. That didn't turn out so well, he said. Others have warned of catastrophic consequences ripped from the pages of science fiction. Marauding aliens that could follow our message like a homing beacon and come here to exploit Earth's resources, exploit humans, or even destroy life as we know it. Yeah, you never know.
1: You never know. So that's the whole thing. Why don't we
2: listen? I don't know. And keep our mouth shut. Yeah, that's probably the best route. Probably but, is. But again, we're sending so much crap all over, like radio waves and... Pieces of freaking yeah. satellites just bouncing, just bouncing around out there. Yeah, Where's all this junk coming from? Yeah, Oh, it's Earth. It's Earth. That Earth's place is a so. turd hole. Anyways, that's the Fermi Paradox. That's contacting aliens. That's all those types of things. It's, it's it, crazy really that much
1: has uh, taken place that yeah. people have, I mean, like, like <laughs> different countries and people have, like, really pushed the limits of... Yeah. You know, sending out messages, it's listening.
2: Crazy. It's crazy. i got to send a message to you guys right now, though. I'm going to
1: transmit this to
2: space. Off the grid surplus, they're having a 15% off spring pre-sale right now. Get them. You go to their website, you're going to see it. They have redesigned Propan 2.0, hybrid dry-wet shorts, new work shirts, travel shirts, and new colorways. So if you want to go get some really cool gear... Yeah, uh, like pants and shirts and flannels and hats. And you can
1: wear to the restaurant. Yes, and then
2: go to camp. Yep, and then come back from camp and go
1: shopping. You, like you can go to the. The
2: stuff's great. You can do anything. It holds up well. Yeah, you can take it to church if you need to. You can <laughs> probably, so go check it out. OfftheGoodsurplus.com. Use our code Casual Preppers fifteen. Remember, Casual Preppers fifteen. You get an extreme extreme fifteen <laughs> percent <15% laughs> off with our code. Uh, so go check it out. All right. Do it. All right. You got anything else, Cameron?
1: No. Just nah. If you want to reach out to aliens, that's that's your own risk. Yeah. At your do it at your own yeah. risk. You know. Maybe start with email. See if yeah. that gets to them. And Maybe then. listen instead. Yeah, probably good idea. All right, guys, stay survived.